We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. All right. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to another one of our Conversations with Dan. I have to say, every once in a while, for the people who listen on podcasts, I'm like, they're missing out on just the odd things you do (laughs) at the beginning of these. Okay, so we'll dive right in. This week is a follow-up question to an episode we did, I think, two weeks ago now, about how to rightly handle Scripture and some basic ways to look at Scripture. and Hermeneutics. uh, Yeah, hermeneutics was the big word for it. And so we had a follow-up question to that, and that question was, what is pattern theology, and why should or shouldn't it be a fundamental hermeneutic? In the um, language of our forefathers, as you go back through the writings of people in Churches of Christ and in the Restoration uh, movement, uh, many of our forefathers have have talked about uh, following the pattern of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And um, they spoke of Scripture as Scripture being a pattern and particularly the commands of Scripture, some of the examples of Scripture, some of the inferences of Scripture being a pattern for the uh, conduct and behavior of Christians and the church today. Mm -hmm. And so... Since there is a lot of discussion about how to interpret the Bible now, and many people are questioning the idea of whether there is a pattern in the scriptures. If so, what is it? You know. Okay. So, uh, are we talking like just the Bible itself is pattern, or are we talking about like I'm going to start in Second Samuel, and then I'm going to turn to Psalms, and then I'm going to turn to something, and I'm going to see a pattern laid out in pieces throughout. Yeah, no, the really the language of pattern, I think, came from, uh, first of all, back in this book of Exodus, when God commanded in Exodus 25 mm-hmm. that uh, they build a tabernacle, Okay. and God gave them a pattern or a blueprint for that. Read Exodus 25, 8 and 9 there for us. Okay. Uh, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so shall you make it. All right, so God gave them a pattern. In fact, if you if you go to verse 40, just go ahead and read verse 40. Okay, uh, and see that you make them, uh, make them after the pattern for them, which is being shown to you on the mountain. All right, so God gave a blueprint, you might say, or a pattern for the tabernacle, and he, mm. he spelled out every detail of all the furniture and all of the fixtures and all of the construction of it. Okay. And first in Exodus 25 through 35, you have the instructions for the, for the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And then in the, that 
passage through the end of the book of Exodus, you have a record of the construction, Mm -hmm. and the construction matches the instruction, so they followed that pattern, Okay. and God was pleased, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle Mm -hmm. in the last couple of verses of Exodus. Right. So the principle derived from that was that when God gives us a plan or a pattern, we follow that pattern, Mm. and God is pleased. So the language of patterns... That's kind of where it's coming from. Came into biblical interpretation. Okay. Uh, later on, uh, earlier than this, you, you might say that in a similar fashion in Genesis 6 and 7, mm-hmm. uh, God gave instructions for the building of the ark. Mm-hmm. He gave its dimensions, its measurements, and there was a pattern of sorts, and that pattern was followed because throughout that account, like in Genesis six twenty two, is it? Read what that says. 622, Noah did this. He did all that God had commanded him. All right. And and it repeats through that series of instructions that mm-hmm. Noah did everything that God commanded him. Yeah, like 7, 5, and a couple other yeah. places through here. And so the idea, again, was that God gives you the instructions, and you follow those instructions. You're following the pattern. Okay, so mm-hmm. the language of pattern okay. came to be part of the language of discussing how we're to look at the Bible. And sometimes the pattern will be much more detailed than other times. Like, I mean, that, that section of Exodus was several chapters Extremely long. Extremely detailed. Whereas in Genesis, it's like, here's the dimensions, here's the wood, go and do it. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. All right, so... so Anyway, that's where the language of pattern came from. Now, there is narrative in the Bible, mm-hmm. and it's a story. And we've spent a lot of talk. And narrative on that. is not blueprint. Yeah. But it is a story, and it does unfold some ways about how God reacts to man's behavior, and there's some consistencies to that. Um, there's poetry in the Bible. There's there's psalms. Psalms are not in the form of of, uh, laying out a pattern, but there are principles laid out in those psalms that have to do with our behavior. There are legal sections of Scripture uh, that are law code, and those are definite laws laid down for Israel to follow. Right. Um, And there are prophetic sections of Scripture where... um, you know, the prophets teach Israel to do certain things and call them to do certain things. And if they don't do those things, God punishes them. Right. So within all this stuff, there are, you might say there are patterns. If if man does these kinds of things, then God will behave in these ways toward man. Could it be phrased... You know, as just there are consistencies about God. Yes, and I think that's where some of our some of our uh, detractors from the idea of pattern say that the language of pattern is not used in all these passages. It's what's the character of God and how does God behave and right. and that's consistent. Yeah. So in that consistency, the other side would argue there is a pattern of mm-hmm. sorts. Okay. okay. So the the only passage in the New Testament, if you go to 2 Timothy 2, verse 13, okay. it uses the language of pattern. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, ver, excuse me, 2 Timothy 1, verse 13. Read okay. that for us. 
let's see, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in in the faith and love that they are in Christ Jesus. All right, and, and this really brings us down to what we can say about the New Testament writings, particularly the teachings of the apostles. Mm-hmm. Paul considered his teaching to be a pattern for Timothy in behavior and in what Timothy would teach. Okay. Now, see how similar 2 Timothy 1.13 is to 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. Read that. See, 2.2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice, what you have heard from me... And then go back to one thirteen. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound mm-hmm. words. So that which came from Paul or the other apostles was, and I'm going to try to avoid the pattern language, okay. was normative yeah. teaching for the early church. Uh, so would it be that he, he sees it as truth and fact that should be held to and passed along. Yes, um, but there's more than that. There are commands in it mm-hmm. that are to be carried out. Yeah. See, truth can be just laying there without anything you're supposed to do. But, but this, the pattern of sound or healthy teaching, is based on what do people act as Christians? Mm. How do we behave? What do we do as Christians? And how do we yeah. know what we're supposed to do? So it's not it's a, not the thing that you just absorb and go, oh, that was nice. No, it's a pattern for behavior. Okay. All right. So if you really explore this idea in, in the New Testament, uh, God doesn't give you a blueprint for a tabernacle or whatever in the New Testament, but... Starting in in the Gospels, like in the Gospel of John, for example, mm-hmm. in the Last Supper narrative, and we'll we'll kind of do this in a rather rapid scenario for new okay. people out there. I was going to say because this is something we can go pretty long on. Yeah, we're not yeah. going to go that long. But if you'll look up, all of you out there, um, Jesus is at the Last Supper table with the twelve. And he is just talking to the 12 because chapter 15, verse 16 says, You guys didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you Mm -hmm. so that you may go and bear much fruit and your fruit might remain. He's talking to the 12. Right. And he says to them, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you apostles and he's going to teach you everything and bring to your remembrance everything that I said. That's chapter 14, verse 26. He's going to bear witness about me when he comes to you. I think that's 15, maybe 26, maybe the last part of chapter 15. Um, When he comes to you, the apostles, he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's John 16, verse 7 and 8. Mm -hmm. Then in John 16, 13, 12 and 13, Jesus says, you know, I've got a whole lot more stuff to say to you guys, but you can't really bear it now. But when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he's going to guide you guys into all the truth. All right? So then in the prayer in John 17, when he prays for the apostles, starting in verse 9, mm-hmm. then he gets down to uh, John 17, verse 20. I'm not just praying for these apostles only, but I'm also praying for all those other people like you and me right. who will believe on me through, through. their Word. Mm-hmm. So the teaching of the apostles was crucial to the spreading of the gospel. 
Okay. And I'll make sure and I'll add kind He'll of that list. He'll put these scriptures on there. Yeah, that All way right. you can go through them too. So you get to um, the book of Acts where the Spirit comes to the apostles. Right. We have the flaming tongues of fire right. you know, come down. And so all the people saw that those were chosen emissaries of God. Mm-hmm. And they preached their Pentecost sermon. And then the 3,000 were baptized. And in Acts 2 verse 42 it says they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. So what was so big about the apostles? Well, obviously, tongues of fire over their heads, <laughs> miracles. Those were Jesus' ambassadors. Yeah. So the people immediately began to follow the apostolic teaching. Okay. And throughout the New Testament, that apostolic teaching, like we saw in Timothy, mm-hmm. became the normative yeah. behavioral guide or pattern, if you want to use that word. Yeah. The people don't like that word in the other, no. the other yeah. side of the discussion. And so I'll jump in here. We did a video a while back where someone had asked, you know, was, were Jesus' words the most important words in the Bible sort of thing? And so... And that's I'm, a no. And we talked a lot about how Jesus kind of lays this out. Yes. And then later, and you'll, you'll have to tell me exactly where, but even like Peter says that Paul's words... Yes. You know, match up and those should be listened to as well. Yes. So even the early apostles were kind of commenting on each other. They were. And saying, look, these are all good things for you to know and learn from. That's uh, right. Which, what was that passage so we can make sure? Second Peter 3, 15, 16. Okay. All right. So listen to this. When you go through the, through the statements of Paul, for example, um, 1 Corinthians uh, 4 Verse 16, and when he's talking about divinely revealed wisdom, he says, I want you guys to be imitators of me. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I'm sending Timothy, and Timothy's going to remind you of my ways just as I teach everywhere in every church. That's about mm-hmm. verse 17 or so. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So there was a consistency, there was a sameness. to what Paul and the other apostles taught everywhere in every church. That formed a guide or a set of principles or a pattern for for behavior. Now, he may not have used, except in 2 Timothy 1.13, he uses pattern. That's not the common language of it, but we can certainly say that there was normative apostolic teaching. Now, really important verse or two. Okay. Second Thessalonians, look this one up for us, chapter 2, verse 15. Because the apostolic teaching was not always written down. Sometimes it was oral. Mm. And it took a while to collect the writings of the apostles. But they were teaching yeah. the same things in oral form even before it was written down. Second Thess 2, 15. 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that were taught to us either by our spoken word or by our letter. Okay, one more time. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that were taught to us taught by us, That's what either I was... by our spoken word or by our letter. All right, you need to hold to the traditions taught by us, by the apostles, mm. either in spoken word or by letter. 
Okay. Now that was so important, people latched onto those letters and the verbal teaching of the apostles, so much so that if you go earlier in this chapter, mm-hmm. down here to uh, the, the first part, okay. he's going to talk about some people that were trying to pass off their teachings as op- apostolic letters to give mm-hmm. them authority. Mm-hmm. Read it there for us. All right. So just start at the beginning sure. of chapter 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or by spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us. All right. So people who tried to pass off their False material is apostolic letters. There's an implication. They knew the power and authority of the apostolic letters. They knew that the churches automatically accepted those as authoritative and normative for their teaching. Mm. If you go on further in that book, over to chapter 3 and verse 14. Okay. 3 and 14. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. All right. So, you know, very similarly in 1 Corinthians 14, 37, when Paul orders the assembly, Mm. and many people will deny that there's any apostolic order to the assembly, Mm. but he orders the assembly in Corinth and he said, now if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. Okay. So the apostolic teaching, whether oral or written, Mm -hmm. was God's command. One more and then we'll wrap it up. I got a question. All right, go ahead. Okay. So we can see that there there were these normative things that they were teaching from place to place and that everyone was spreading out. Yep. But a common thing, like when I hear people talk about the pattern and trying to pull the pattern across all of these, specifically in like the letters, mm-hmm. they'll say, but that was written to that church and that was written to that church. And, and we've even talked a little yes. bit about... They'll talk about the occasional nature of these letters. Yeah. It was written to a certain church in a certain situation. But there were some things in these letters that um, that were broader than just that particular occasion and are repeated in many places. For example, uh, the, the command we have from Jesus to take the Lord's Supper. Uh, the example in Acts 2.42 that they were already breaking bread and following the teaching mm-hmm. of the apostles. Acts 20 and verse 7 they met a week and broke bread. Yeah. And then you have the instructions about how to carry all that out in 1 Corinthians. So mm-hmm. this is not just an isolated... That was something happening in multiple locations. Right. And multiple apostles. And wrote. it was a command of Jesus that they were carrying out. Okay. But not every every community was dealing with like the temple on the hill of that particular person and it was causing those problems that they were addressing. Right. Right. Okay. That, that's right. Um So, you know, in another video, we can get into some specifics maybe about is this part of the the pattern for New Testament behavior, and Mm. if so, how? Okay. But And maybe they have some specific directions they'd want us to go with. Yes, yes. Um, Usually you get into things like the role of women, the holy kiss, the the day of the Lord's Supper, those kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. But... One more, go to Second Peter chapter uh, 3, I think okay. it's verse 2. Let's see, 3 and 2. 
that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. All right. So again, Jesus's commands through his apostles, mm-hmm. not red letters, but just yeah. as valid as the red letters. That was normative teaching for the churches. Now, you can call it a pattern or not call it a pattern, Mm -hmm. but there is a great consistency throughout the whole New Testament Mm. that apostolic teaching was considered to be inspired by the Spirit and binding on the churches. Mm. Um, In in 1 John, even, chapter 4, when he's talking about heretical teachers, Mm. he says in verse 6... 1 John 4, verse 6. Yep. Uh, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So the Apostle John says, if you listen to us, the apostles, mm-hmm. then you're doing what's right. If you don't listen to us, well, that consistently through Peter, John, Paul, yeah. all the rest of them, that is normative, mm-hmm. behavioral instruction. For the New Testament churches. What do we want to call that? If you don't want to call it a pattern, that's fine. So let's see see if this would be a a fair statement to make. Because a lot of times when you hear people asking, you know, about getting rid of a pattern theology or or the different terminologies, they say they're trying to follow the character of God sort of thing. So would it be fair to say that a biblical pattern is, is in the character of God, and a absolutely, non, and a non-biblical pattern wouldn't mesh with the character of God. Well, in that same book of First John, read First John five one and two. Okay, and three. Uh, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born by Him. By this we know love. Uh, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. All right, so. So you can't separate God and loving God and the character of God from keeping God's commandments. commandments. Yeah. And that's obvious through the book of, of 1 John. He says, whoever says I know him and doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. Yeah. And the truth is not in him. Those commandments mm-hmm. form something of a pattern for human conduct and behavior. And something the apostles continue to to point out is they receive these things from Christ and from his spirit right and that they trust one another so that there is consistency amongst those things as they receive them from right. God and Christ and exactly. the spirit exactly yeah. now i think we get too hung up on arguing over the language mm. see there's a big theological argument in the brotherhood over this whole language of pattern mm. and we want to just argue about that word Forget that word. Is there a normative, consistent Mm. body of teaching that came from Christ through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that the early church respected as authoritative? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. So as a whole, just going back to just use the language of the questioner, there is a pattern to be followed consistent through the Bible. Well, okay. I mean, as far as if you're taking God's... We may be getting into part two. Okay. The the language that's used in this discussion is theological pattern. Mm -hmm. Meaning, is there there something we can trace throughout the entire Bible that informs us on this? Mm -hmm. 
take giving. You've got Abraham giving a tenth and Jacob giving a tenth. And you've got God's instructions to Israel about giving their tenth and giving their free will offerings. And you've mm-hmm. got Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And then you've got Jesus' teaching about giving to God what is God's and the widow's might and yeah. giving to the poor. And then you've got the book of Acts about laying their money at the apostles' feet. And so there is a... A pattern. Well, yeah, but I don't use that <laughs> word. But there is a, a theological continuance yes. of consistent that God wants his people to be givers. Mm. See? Yeah. So, so some people who talk about a theological pattern are more, more thinking about, is there a strand through the Bible about these things? Yeah. And so there is. But um, I think in this language of getting away from pattern theology, many people are getting away from there are commands of God, and they, they think there are some commands that we can disregard and some commands that we don't disregard. And, mm. and of course, there's this whole argument about what's cultural and what's eternal, and yeah. that brings us into a little more detailed discussion after this. Yeah. So maybe there's some specifics out there, but as a whole, this idea of pattern theology and the true theological meaning of it is still very useful. It is. But Very much so. Maybe the difficulty comes when people dive into more of the weeds and they try to find minute patterns, and that may get them in a little bit more trouble. Well, but there are details. There are specifics yeah. in this pattern, and they, they can be found. It's not like God ever hid from people, this is my will, this is what I want you to do. Yeah. And sometimes those things are more principles than they are specifics. Mm. Uh, Paul, for example, told the women to dress modestly, and and that was consistent. Now, in Corinth, he told them to wear a veil. In, in Ephesus and in the Peter in the Black Sea region, he said, don't call unnecessary attention to yourself through the gold and all the pearls and the expensive clothes, you know, yeah. dress like... But, but the, the pattern of modesty... That was the same, even if the specific application of it may have varied from yeah. place to place. And so that's the thing that you would then get into your cultural, what applies, what doesn't, right. all that sort of stuff. Okay. There's a lot there. I mean... Yes, it is. And this is, this is where everything we believe is, is really challenged because we're either going to go by scripture as scripture is given to us or we're going to give ourselves the freedom to reassess everything in scripture and make mm-hmm. our own judgment of whether it it uh it uh causes the gospel to live in people instead of just doing what god told us to do yeah i say a lot there uh and i'm sure that as people are hearing this one i hope that they're pulling up these scriptures yes and obviously a lot of times in, when I'm putting like the little tags at the bottom, I'll go ahead and give like a couple of verses on either side. And we encourage you to read those sort of things because we don't have time to read the full length of right. every passage, unfortunately. And the only but, reason I'm trying to avoid some in some of this discussion saying pattern, mm-hmm. that's just like a... It's, it's an inflammatory word. So I <laughs> Is want it the to one show, that makes people shut off? Yeah, yeah. I, I, want to, I want to show that there's normative, consistent teaching... Whatever you want to call that, it's yeah. it's there, yeah, and it's not to be ignored. And so I think that, you know, we start with what is this Bible, 
And many of those who are, are trying to say that there either isn't a pattern or it's just a vague, generalized pattern that left up to you, you know, those people don't, many of them see Scripture as verbally inspired. They don't see Scripture as historically yeah. accurate. And that will affect the whole way you look at Scripture yeah. anyway. I mean, that, so. that goes way deeper than what's the hermeneutic we use. That's Well, that affects, that, that determines a lot of the hermeneutic right yeah. there. But even then, it's like, why well, have a hermeneutic if you don't believe half of it? So, I mean... Yeah. Anyway, so like I say, you've probably got lots of thoughts and comments and questions. Yeah, there's and a lot more to be said about all this. That was a, This is a, one of our longer ones. Sorry. It's okay. There's a lot to discuss here. And okay. We tried to keep it contained to this particular question, knowing that there's more discussion out there. But by all means, send in those comments, send in those questions, and we'll continue this discussion another day. Thanks again for watching and sharing. Have a good one. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.